1: Welcome
2: to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern day Asian American woman. I'm Janet. I'm Mel. I'm Helen. I'm Anna.
1: And I'm Justin.
3: In episode 66, our good friends Anna and Justin share their personal stories on how they came out to their friends and family. So if you haven't done so already, go ahead and check out part one of their story.
0: So let's jump into it. I think anytime someone is brave enough to share something that is so vulnerable, there's fear of rejection, maybe even harassment, violence, or even like losing a job potentially, right? Do you still have any doubts or concerns about your own identity and sharing your story with
4: others? For me personally, coming out doesn't really end. Like there's never, I'm like continuously coming out all the time to different people, to new people I meet. And so there's always definitely um, a sense of anxiety there with that. I mean, most recently, for example, I'm out at my work and was out to my former boss, but I switched roles um, within Facebook. And my new boss, I have never talked about it with him. And it's not because uh, because I don't want to, it's just we just haven't had the opportunity. And so there was a moment where he like added me on Facebook and I was like a little hesitant because I was like, "Oh, he's gonna see all these posts that I make about <laughs> um, the queer community and things like that." I think, regardless of that, um, it, it just, if anything, kind of encourages me to like continue to live my truth. So I think, in that sense, like that is always a concern. It's not as deep as it was like initially. Is there a need to
0: feel like you have to? Because you said you told your old boss, but not your your new boss, right? But is because I would never go to my boss and say hey, I am a cisgender straight woman. But is that something that you feel you need to share with someone who is close to you in the context of even like a profession?
4: Yeah, I think for me personally, yes. You know, it's like, it's in the little things. Like when my boss asks like, oh, how was your weekend? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, like what's what's going on in your personal life? Which is a conversation that he and I have, I think just because he wants to build that relationship. Um, which I, which I love, uh, and living my truth out in all aspects of my life has been just like something that I've wanted to be consistent on. And mm-hmm. so I think for other people, there may be experiences where they, they don't have these conversations at work, but for mm-hmm. me, um, even in choosing where I like apply for a job, for example, one of the categories in my mind is how like out and proud I could be, um. Because I, th- I think I'm just, like, so triggered by being in the closet for so long that mm. um, I don't want to experience any of that in my life where I can control that, where it's, like, it's my thing to share.
3: So I know we talk about this offline, but, um, you know, in terms of your identity, I know you got, you mentioned in the previous episode you have, like, a working relationship with your family, and I know now, like, your, you mentioned your sister has kids, and... I know a conversation came up when you talked, and your sister were talking about how involved you're going to be in your nieces and nephews' life. And like I know your identity plays a role in that. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that story with everyone, if you're comfortable? Yeah, sure. So, you know, my sister,
4: when she had her first kid, one of the conversations that I think she knew that we were going to have, we were going to have to have in the future was, you know, if I'm dating someone or if I'm married – I mean, I bring someone around to family events and things like that. What will the perception be to her kids? Before, I think this was like right before she had Ian. We were talking on the phone and she told me straight up, I'm not going to tell Ian that you're gay. And for me, that I just had like such a negative reaction to that because it was as if she was forcing me into my closet. I had to put my foot down and I was like, hey, if that's the case, then you're going to risk me not being in his life. And for me, like that was really hard of me to say cuz like I love my nephew, I love my niece, but this is that big of an issue for me that if 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 I'm forced to lie to my nephew about who I am and who my partner is, that's so much that's so far from my reality and what I what I choose, who I choose to be that I don't want any part of it, even if it risks me being mm-hmm. not in my nephew's life. And my sister thought about that. And we, we, hang up the, we hung up the phone and, like, I was, like, really emotional about having to have that conversation. But, you know, she called me back and she was like, okay, like, I don't want that. So let's figure something out. The conversation that ensued after was me talking to my sister. I was telling her, like, I know your faith. I'm not going to impose my sexuality on your kid. Like, I'm not going to, like, try to force my beliefs on you because, like, it's not my job to parent your child. But what I won't do is pretend that I'm someone that I'm not because like, least of all, that's not something that I want to encourage in my nephew. And so I felt like that was that was like an important turning point in my in my sister's relationship that I think now she she from that point on, she's been more understanding and more open. I don't think we'll ever get to a place where we're fully jazzed about um, these things in this topic, but I do kind of I am grateful for my nephew and now my niece coming into the world because I think it's brought me and my sister closer together mm-hmm. and it's gotten yeah. us to a place of like, okay, like this is what family should be like and and we don't mm-hmm. want to have anything
3: that creates barriers to this family.
0: Thanks for sharing that, Anna.
3: I feel for Anna because like I am a niece of a gay uncle and so I think I benefit so much for having that relationship because I can't imagine not having him in my life because like he's someone I actually find super important that I look up to. And just having, like, a gay family member is... And especially in an Asian household, is, like, it's, like... It's, it's a topic that we're trying to navigate, right? Because I think, for me, my mom and I talk about this. And he never told me his coming out story, to be honest. And I think it's because he hasn't really come out to a lot of people in our family. It's a generational thing. And, like, I know my mom and I talk about, like, oh, like, does grandma and grandpa know, you know, our uncle's gay? And she's like, no, like, because my grandpa has made comments. Because he's, like, like, I think he's, like, almost 80. And so his generation didn't understand what's like to be gay. But for me, it's just nice to know that like our family is really accepting of my uncle. And I feel like I don't know if Ian or your niece will get to this place with you, but I think being surrounded by my uncle growing up, he was like a second dad in my life. And so I've always had an inkling that he wasn't straight just because, you know, the things he enjoyed and the things he brought me out to do. But I, I don't know why for me as a niece, I had a moment where I, where I was like, you know, I really just want to ask him if he's gay because I feel like it's something that I, I think he will might feel, feel liberated from. And for me just to confirm and so when I was eighteen, I don't know why I like worked myself up to ask him, but I had this moment when we're about to go on a trip. He brought me to Europe. And so on my trip there, when I got there, I was like kind of nervous because I wanted to ask him if he was gay. And so after I messed up some courage, I asked him, I was like, Hey, I don't know if this comes out of Left Field, but I'm just curious, like I was like, Are you are you gay? And he was like, Honey, isn't it obvious? Like, why didn't you ask me earlier? <laughs> you know, that was his reaction to me. And I'm just like, Oh, kinda of like relieved because i think ever since we had that conversation he's so open to me about like his relationships with with his ex-boyfriends and his group of friends who are gay and like i feel like i'm opened up to this world where i'm like he can be himself completely and i feel so happy that i'm part of that because like i don't want him to feel like he's kind of hiding things from me or from the family because like i remember growing up with him like he'll bring his boyfriends along but his boyfriends will always be oh that's my friend paul or that's my friend whatever and now he could tell me oh that's my boyfriend or that's someone i'm dating I think I made our family and our like our friendship really strong so I just kind of hope that like I don't know if Ian or your niece will get to this place with you Anna but like or even Justin I know you have nieces and nephews too but like I would love for them to feel comfortable to be a place where they can have that relationship with you guys to ask and just like to explore this topic if they feel comfortable or also if their parents are okay with it but at the same time it's like their life and their relationship with you so just want to share that I'm I'm happy you guys are deciding to be part of your niece and nephew's life.
0: Justin, I know this is your first foray into speaking about your sexual orientation publicly, which major, major props to you for doing so. This is a big, big day for you, actually. Um, Do you have any doubts and concerns about how people will perceive you or just about your identity in general?
1: Yeah. So first of all, I just want to keep reminding myself that it's not that big of a deal, because if I keep thinking it's a big deal, I'm going to start freaking out (laughs) and just lose my train (laughs) of thought. But um Okay, yeah it's not a big day. It's a <laughs> no. regular, normal it's, it's day. It's a medium it's a medium day. Okay. Um yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just us five in this room. Um <clears throat> it's true that Anna says coming out is a journey, right? It's it's not mm-hmm. something you do and it's just over. And that's something that I had to also understand too, because coming out for me has definitely been such a long journey that I haven't embraced. Like I've been resisting. Um being an online YouTube You know, influencer or whatever you know you want to call it, um, comes with its territory. Like I feel the pressure all the time to feel like I have to be you know an advocate for something. I feel guilty for not talking about these topics and using my platform for the better or for a greater purpose. For example, like when Pride Month rolls around every June, I see all these posts of people you know celebrating, sharing their stories, all that, and I, I, I get excited for Pride Month, but then I also dread it too. Because I'm just sitting there like mm. I can't share anything and I'm I'm too afraid to share and open up. You know, all of that plays into like how I see myself and, and I'm confused a lot of the time. Like sometimes I'll just, you know, if you read my journal, mm. I'll write in my journal. I'll try to remind myself who I am and tell myself that, yeah, you are this, you are that. Don't ever think that you're not enough or, you know, or don't feel guilty for not doing this because blah, 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 you know. It's been tough. That's been my biggest struggle.
0: Well, I can only imagine, um, especially at the age of 13, feeling a lot of shame about it and not having a lot of resources to make you feel like, oh, other people can also identify as something that I feel shameful about. And for you to have harbored this for such a long period of your life, I can only imagine why it's still so difficult and that's why it's like today's just a regular medium day right but it's so amazing and I'm so proud of you for doing this Justin Thank you. Like, really really happy that you are mm-hmm. and this is just the first step and like you, you were saying Anna you made such a good point about how this is like a forever journey right of education of you yeah. know making sure that your, your close group of friends are supportive in a way that can make you feel also less shameful and very heavily supported um, and just proud of being who, who you are and living your truth
2: I think it's um, incredibly profound what you both had echoed about how coming out is a journey and it's continuous. And I think that that's something that everyone can relate to in every aspect of your identity, that you're always an evolving person. Um, and so you've shared that within your journeys of coming out, how you've had some positive and negative experiences. What are some negative and then some positive experiences you've come across due to your orientation and your preferences? I think for me, something that I think started off
4: negative but now I see as positive is um, when I came out to my church pastor in college, it was like an interesting reaction. It was kind of like they had a reaction, but then it wasn't as negative as I thought it was going to be. But then in the long term, It was. And what I mean by that is like I told my pastor that I was questioning my sexuality and we never talked about it again. But in like his actions towards me, he like kind of had a wall up and that felt really foreign to me because Mm. in our relationship, typically um, he is like very open, like a huge jokester and like, you know, asked me how I was doing and things like that. And I didn't encounter that anymore. And I think the, the drastic change, it wasn't like this overt, like get out of my church kind of thing. Um, that some people um, can experience, unfortunately. This was more of like a gradual, like, I don't know how to handle this. So my- the way I'm going to handle it is to not confront it. And eventually that led me to leave that church. Mm-hmm. And I think like since then, I haven't really gotten back into finding a church or like wanting to find a church community. I think because of that experience. I mean, I think in the long run, Like now that I think about it, I think it's positive in the sense that it really helped me kind of formulate the type of people that I want in my life and the type of um, relationships that I wanted to have. And so now like I'm totally okay with the fact that he's not in my life anymore. For people who don't know me, so like just like how the public perceives me, um, I think I'm really, really lucky to live in California and to live in a really liberal community and to be surrounded by people who for the most part like can identify with my identity one of the most like poignant recollections I have was when my ex and I we were um, kind of like doing a road trip through the south we went to Alabama and Mississippi and I remember we like walked into a diner and we were holding hands and there were a bunch of white people around and like it was as if like you know in those scenes in the movies where like everyone just turns their head towards you and, like, has a reaction but also doesn't. And, like, I remember immediately, like, letting go of her hand. And, like, that, I think, has really stuck with me because, you know, you hear all these things about, you know, southern states and people in the South being um, really anti, anti-gay and and things like that and just being, like, aggressively so. It makes me really feel lucky for the fact that, like, I don't live in a community like that where I legitimately can be discriminated against. On the positive side of things. I mean, I think just like to be able to live your life and not have any regrets about the way that you put yourself out there and the way that people perceive you like so far outweighs any of these reactions. The type of support that I've gotten with my friends and the types of relationships that I've been able to develop as a result of this and like, I love pride because during that month, you just feel the love from like my fellow queer community. And like, th- I, I think that's something I wish straight people could experience because I think it's like so bonding. And there's like another love, another layer of like mm-hmm. common understanding of like going through similar difficulties in your identity and being able to recognize that in another human is in itself like really rewarding, and it kind of already breaks that, like, wall of, like, stranger. Justin, I know for Mm -hmm. you, like, hearing your story about how your brother is so accepted, like, that brought me to tears because, like, I know how hard it is and how, like, that's something that's missing in my life, and that's just, like, a level of understanding, and so I think in that sense, like, this has been a
2: really positive journey for me um, overall to be able to experience that. It's so wonderful that you have spoken about negative experiences in a way where they've been able to f- further enforce a positive identity for you. Um, so that's incredibly remarkable and admirable. Thank you so much for sharing, Anna. Um, how about for you, Justin? What are some kind of positive and negative experiences that you've encountered um, due to your orientation and preferences?
1: So for this question, I, for some reason I had difficulty answering negative experiences part and and I almost felt Mm -hmm. weird for not having a negative experience but then I sat there and thought I'm like why have I not had any experiences yet where I've been like discriminated against or you know had someone say like mean words to me or anything like that I realized that it's because I haven't really put myself out there you know like the less you put yourself out there the less at risk you're gonna be for those kinds of things and um and i realized that was me and i was afraid to put myself out there because of that so for me so far it's all just been pretty positive experiences like i don't know what you you ladies think but like do you guys see me as a guy that screams gay
4: i actually think you're pretty straight passing and i think i also think i'm pretty straight passing and i mean that in the way that like a lot of people who like scream gay or lesbian like Lesbians, for example, like if I cut my hair to have like a boy cut hair, like that would be an indication. But I think especially for Asian, something that I've noticed is Asian queers are usually the majority straight passing. And that's what's kind Mm. of confusing. And I think Mm. especially in our community, because some Asian men come off as effeminate and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's a cultural thing. And now if you were a white male who grew up in the South, like people would probably immediately pick up that you're gay. And I think the fact that you're one half of a twin, um, I think that also mm. gives you the benefit of being straight passing. And so I think there's like a lot of things that, a lot mm. of elements like this that help in that sense. So that's just like kind of my, my initial perception. Like, and it's a lot of, uh, with a lot of my gay male friends as well who are Asian, a lot of them are also straight passing, and so this is one of the things that we talk about a lot. Is like, even as a person in the queer community, there are levels of privilege within that, and how do we navigate that when mm-hmm. we're we're the beneficiaries of that?
2: That's a very good point. Yeah. yeah, I think the cultural aspect, in addition to our our location being in California and and Justin, especially being in LA and Orange County, there is something about just general style. And some of those like stereotypes Mm -hmm. of being a more well-groomed man that are not automatically associated with sexuality. Yeah. So
3: I was going to add to Justin, you know, being one of your closest friends, we talk about all the time about how, I think this is when it becomes more like an individual perspective and like your own, your own individual experience, because you've just as you being Justin, you like sticking within your close friend group, right? You like Jason, your your core unit in Seattle, your core unit in Orange County in LA. And I think you're really comfortable with that lifestyle. You know, like being at home um have more introverted type of activities so I feel like in th- in that sense like you're not exposing yourself to a lot of more different things than people so I think that kind of plays into like resulting in your experience with it right correct me if I'm wrong
1: yeah no I think you guys are both right and thank you for helping me answer this question because uh, it's just it's mm-hmm. tough it's tough to talk about it and I'm sure you guys can tell sometimes I need people around me to give me an outside perspective you know
0: And you're just starting your journey of, you know, speaking publicly about it. So I need to remind myself that for sure. Yeah. It's amazing that we also have Anna here to articulate so well, you know, what it is that you might be.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. Anna. (laughs) We
3: touch upon this last episode really quickly, but how do you both feel about the media representation of your sexual orientation? How much time do you have? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, immediately what comes to mind is like, there's not
4: enough. Um, especially for queer Asian females. Mm-hmm. Like, I could name two movies. One was made in 1994.
3: It's called Saving Mating Face.
4: Oh, wait, sorry. Mm. <laughs> Did you watch it?
3: It was one of my, actually, internship um, activities had I do.
4: Oh, really? Okay. I mean, that was like, and that was like when, I mean, when I was in college, I was like scourging the internet for representation. And even that film was like, I don't know, I, I guess I identify it, but also, like, I don't. I mean, in, like, recent terms, too, like, the only movie I can think of is, like, The Handmaiden, and that's, like, deeply problematic mm-hmm. and, like, kind of scary. <laughs> um, and not a lot of people would would find themselves in those characters. Also, in the female lens, like, the media deeply sexuali- sexualizes women and continues to do so. And you'll see in a lot of television and film examples that, like, lesbians are fantasized. You know, or like you you hear like that one Rita Ora song or even Katy Perry's like I kiss a girl song. It's like you hear all these straight women talking about experimenting with other women. And that's like mm. not the type of relationships that you should see. Um and so I think I've at some point like kind of given up with media's and how we're portrayed. Um because I've just like accepted the fact that it's not going to happen. Though I think there are, you know, more strides. I think there's, like, layers of it, right? Like, in general, like, the first step would be just more Asian um, representation in media, period. And once we nail that down, then we can go into female Asian representative. And then, you know, so I'm Mm -hmm. kind of, like, biding my time and waiting to see, and I'm okay with that. And the fact that you're on this podcast, Anna, you're
0: contributing to adding your story to the ether (laughs) Mm -hmm. out there. Thank you.
4: Yeah. No, I, I mean, I really grateful that you all even like thought of me for this.
3: Yeah, you're right. It's like putting that into the ether, but definitely not enough. Mm -hmm. And then Justin, I know you work in media, you know, you're a musician on YouTube. Like, how do you feel about representation?
1: I agree with everything Anna just said. Specifically for me, I I tend to focus more on the YouTube side, right? Because I'm on YouTube all the time and I work on YouTube. So as far as representation on there, so I'm a huge fan of makeup videos and like beauty gurus, skincare gurus and surprisingly like to me i've noticed that the top beauty gurus and youtube gurus are men now i don't know if you guys have heard of james charles jeffree star Mm -hmm. like they're up they're at the very top now and so the fact that i see that and i'm like who's their fan base they're primarily just young kids elementary probably high school middle school and to me that's like a really good sign and i even asked my nephew who's a straight 13 year old well i think he's straight i don't know who knows (laughs) um, how he'll turn out but um yeah, he even said, like, he knows who they are. And like and I asked, like, what he thinks of them. And he was like, yeah, like, they're really funny. They're really cool, you know? And so I'm just like, wow, like, kids are just so accepting nowadays from what I can see, from what mm-hmm. I experience through my family. So that's just a really good sign to me. But I know there's a lot more gay representation versus lesbian res- representation, right? Or am I right, Anna?
4: Yeah, 100%.
1: But I agree. There needs to be so much more. Like, even for me to think of, like, um, a gay Asian idol that I look up to like it was hard for me to think of one right earlier because we asked that question on the last episode Mm -hmm. and I still have trouble even thinking of even just an Asian actor I look up to you know Mm -hmm. so yeah there needs to be a lot of work done there for sure
0: Here at ABG, we are all about taking care of our mental health, especially during these uncertain and troubling times. It is natural to feel helpless and have a loss of motivation. BetterHelp is an online counseling service available to our listeners worldwide.
3: They will access your needs, match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in under 24 hours. Whether you benefit most with messaging, phone calls, or video sessions, BetterHelp is committed to facilitate great therapeutic matches that fit those needs. You can also change counselors at any time. Personally, I work the best with video, and I found a therapist that I meet with every week that has really helped me.
2: BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. Visit betterhelp.com slash abg10. That's better H-E-L-P, and join over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. They have a special offer just for ABG listeners, where you can get 10% off your first month. Try it out at betterhelp.com slash A-B-G-10.
3: Oh man, summer weather has got me feeling so lazy. I'm kind of thinking about ordering takeout for dinner. Have you ladies been ordering takeout more? I've actually been cooking more. I've gotten into a system of pre-preparing my ingredients for the week
0: so
2: that cooking is faster too. But for some meals, it's nice to have something pre-prepared for you. Agree. I've been rotating between cooking and food subscription services. I actually have Daily Harvest's sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl waiting for me in my freezer right now. They're a food subscription service that delivers clean, plant-based meals and smoothies to your
3: door. It's easy to customize and manage your orders, and each item only takes a couple of minutes to prepare. They never use preservatives, added sugar, or artificial ingredients. And their fruits and vegetables are flash-frozen on location. In addition to smoothies, bowls, and soups, they also have flatbreads and dessert
0: bites. Their packaging is also now 100% recyclable. Go to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code ASIANBOSSGIRL to get $25 off your first box. That's promo code ASIANBOSSGIRL for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. dailyharvest.com So jumping into our next topic, uh, sexual orientation and and how we identify is very much intertwined with relationships, right? And obviously dating. Give us a little bit of a background of your current dating situation, if you feel comfortable doing so.
1: So for me, dating has been really, really tricky. I've been on a couple apps. I'm usually very, very, very just like discreet or private about it. And I don't Mm -hmm. really talk about it. I don't really share any of my experiences or anything like that sometimes i'm scared that maybe a fan or something will come across my Mm. profile and i'm not out online yet and i know like my follower base is very niche you know it's not like everyone in the world knows who i am but still it's just that fear is there right yeah yeah it's just even though it's just a very small group that's that fear is still there and i'm like someone's gonna out me or they're gonna post about me or something and so i tend to stay off the apps but i have been on them um, I tend to use the apps when I'm traveling more and not really at home. When, you, when you're when you traveling, you feel a little bit more invincible, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of that mm-hmm. feeling where it's like everyone around you is, are strangers. There's no people that live nearby you that you know or just, you know, potential acquaintances or mutual friends, yeah. things like that.
0: Can I ask also which apps do you use?
1: I've been on Grindr and I've been on Tinder. Got it. So I've never been on Bumble. I hear good things about it, but I tend to not be good on dating apps, though. Like, I actually like in-person versus chatting. Like, I, I don't deal with chatting back and forth very well. It's just not my style. And I know you guys are going to get more into that, like, the style of dating.
4: Um, how about for you, Anna? I have a very complicated relationship <laughs> with my dating life. Um, so I, I mean, because I... Came out late. I also started dating late. I've only been in two relationships my entire life. And one of them was recently. I'm single right now. They were just so far apart too that it's like getting into the app scene has been a real struggle. Um, so Justin, I'm like right there with you. I have a love-hate relationship with dating apps. Currently, I'm not on any. When I was, I was on Bumble, which I'll caveat that for women, because typically Bumble is a dating website where like the woman reaches out. Mm-hmm. So when it's a girl-on-girl relationship, either one of you can reach out. So, mm. And then um, there's also like a, a specific like lesbians-only dating app called Her that I was also on but just like didn't work out. I mean, I, I met my last girlfriend on Bumble, but that did not end very well. And I think now I'm like a little traumatized <laughs> by, by dating apps um, because of that. Because like Justin, like same thing with me too. Like I find it really hard to form an inauthentic, relationship over like texting because that's just not who I am like my love mm-hmm. language is quality time and so like I think I'm more charismatic in person than I am online and I like I'm like very goofy and like that doesn't really translate over text unless I like I, it sounds like I'm needy or something like same yep. uh, yeah so I think I'm now in a in a place where I'm not I've I'm not going to go on dating apps. I don't think I will. But then it begs the question of, like, where will I meet someone?
3: Mm. And
4: mm. I couldn't tell you um, because I don't I don't really go to clubs or bars. And even if I did, it's mostly full of men, gay men. There's, like, one lesbian bar in the city. It's called Jolene's. It's actually owned by a, um, an Asian-American mm. um, oh. named Jolene. Mm. Um, and, like, that's been, like, really cool. But I also, like, the idea of meeting someone at a bar is not... Enticing. Mm -hmm. I think aside from just
0: the general awkwardness of like dating apps, right, are there any dating norms in the LGBTQ community that might be different from the ones in, say, like a straight cisgender community? Is there also an expectation or pressure to fit into certain dating norms?
1: I mean, I think from my limited experience, I've noticed that casual just hookup culture is a lot more normal in the gay dating world. That's also one thing that like I feel like would be tough in the gay dating scene is because Like for me, I'm a very monogamous type of person. And I think Mm -hmm. the fact that you're able to have access to those quick, easy fixes, it doesn't settle well with me. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. still so experienced as far as dating. Like I've only been with one other guy, you know, I've only had one semi-serious relationship and that was when I was 21. And so ever since then, I'm 29 now. So I literally don't have any, barely any experience, you know, I casually (laughs) dated, but they've never been any more than like, you know, one or two or three mm-hmm. dates. So
2: can I ask, um, like when you then connect with someone and have a conversation, like, is there a basic normal expectation that it's going to be a hookup and then you have to be specific? Like I'm looking for a monogamous relationship.
1: Right. Um, I didn't brush on this earlier, but it also depends on what app you're on. Right. In the gay scene. So mm-hmm. so Grinder is a place where you would want to just go and have some casual hookups or whatever. You know, if you're feeling hot, <laughs> and you need to get some action or something, you know, and then. Tinder, I'd say, would probably be a little bit more on the, you know, go on dates and stuff like that. Mm. And then maybe hook up, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But um, like I said, I'm so inexperienced. I'm just talking from my experience. I'm sure, Anna, you have a little bit more to add onto this.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think for it's interesting because I think um, on the flip side in the lesbian world, it's less of a hookup culture and more of like a relationship Mm. culture. So I think it's like similar to heterosexual couple and dating. I think what's interesting is like there aren't really gender roles in girl and girl relationships. Um, I know I'm like I'm a little more butch passing. And so and I also date more feminine girls. And so like you would think on the outside like, oh, yeah, like Anna's like the dude where the girl's like the girl. And like it kind of starts out that way. But then what I've realized in my relationships is it like that kind of dissolves. And so there aren't any like who pays for this who asks who out I mean my last relationship my ex was the first one to message me on bumble she like was the first one to give me her number she kissed me first like things like that um and so it's like pretty interchangeable and then like I know you guys talk about this in your first episode about fuck boys but like fuck girls exist too you mm. know like oh no um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's <that's> scary <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it's, it's interesting. I think like the things that, uh, you know, you experience in heterosexual relationships, um, are pretty similar. I, I think the one caveat would be that there's no like gender role would kind of be my TLDR on that.
2: So that's great. Let's go a little deeper into that actually. So how <laughs> would you, so you kind of described that maybe just generally the lesbian community tends to be more monogamous aiming. Uh, is that how you would describe your personal dating style, Anna? And then also you kind of described your type, but let's go let's go a little deeper and more specific. <laughs>
4: yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean definitely I'm a monogamous. Um, I love, love and I love relationships. Um, even though I haven't been in that many and I but I, I, I hearken that to like being really particular about who I wanna spend my time with and who I would actually like want to be in a relationship with. Um, I think that number is few and far between and so that also makes dating hard for me personally. So on the flip side of that, if I were to kind of like point out what my dating style is, it's funny because my friends would make fun of me because I typically only date straight women is like the running joke because oh. every female that I've dated is now dating a man or I was the first person for them to be in a relationship with. Oh, interesting. wow. Um, but like it's also not something I'm proud of. <laughs> coincidentally my first girlfriend we met through a mutual friend and I was out at the time and we were just hanging out a lot and she was the first one to tell me that she liked me so I was like oh cool (laughs) and because like I think for me because I have a lot of straight relationships in my life like I one I don't assume Mm -hmm. anything about anyone's sexual preference and two like I wouldn't be the first one necessarily to like call them out just because like I just assume everyone's Mm -hmm. straight which is like probably not not a good Mm. thing. And then my most recent ex, I kind of felt like I was making progress because like when we had met, she had told me like she was only dating women, although she did have a history of dating men. um, But she was only at the time looking to date women and it seemed like we were Mm. on the same page. I think it turned out like being her first relationship with a woman, I think that was hard for her. Mm. Um, And that's kind of one of the reasons why it didn't work out. But um, now she's dating a dude. So it's like, Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> I, I think there, in like in some way, there is like relief when it doesn't work out because then I'm like, oh, okay, like it was me, but it wasn't really me. Like, there's this other part that I can't control. Yeah. yeah, but I think that also like is kind of hard to grapple with too because like then I'm like hard on myself and I'm like, why can't I just date like a lesbian? You know, like, and that's something I've been working out in therapy too. And I think I have like an interesting relationship with my sexuality where I'm so like against wanting to be categorized in a certain way and I see myself a certain way of like dating a really feminine woman that like it just so happens that they're like straight women mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. yeah it's something I'm like navigating through and continue to because I'm hoping the per- next person that I date actually identifies yeah. and like has only dated women and like that would that yeah. would
2: be
1: ideal but you can't really
2: control it I guess wow that is so interesting yeah
1: <laughs> I was just gonna ask like do you deal with um like, girls that just specifically, like, Asian girls at all, ever?
4: So, fun fact, I actually have never dated an Asian girl.
1: Oh. Um,
4: yeah, not by choice, but also kind of by choice. I don't know. I guess, like, the one thing that I've noticed is, like, I don't encounter a lot of um, Asian lesbians who are feminine.
2: Hmm. Interesting. Like,
4: and maybe it's just like the communities I'm involved in and the people that I know. I have I have my own personal theory that a lot of Asian women are closeted, um, and don't and come out in later years because there are so many nuances to our identity of being Asian and female that like it's really hard to grapple with. Yeah, I've typically only dated Latina
1: girls. That's kind of funny that you talk about Latina girls because right now I live in a very um, Hispanic area, and you know I never saw myself potentially dating. Hispanic person but now I'm here I'm like (laughs) (laughs) you know know? I'm like at the stoplight I look over I'm like (laughs) you know like (laughs) (laughs) because you know typically I like I grew up in a very white area um, as well and so that was kind of just my type growing up and then I moved down here and there's just so much more diversity and like it just opened my eyes I was like whoa there's so Mm -hmm. many more options as far as like my type now, I, like I don't really have a type anymore. I don't think, mm-hmm. but that's still evolving. I need to just gain more experience yeah. and just kind of test out the waters, you know.
0: <laughs> I think that was interesting what you said, Anna, about how you don't think a lot of Asian females um, are, but they are still closeted. But I think there, like, mm-hmm. are a lot of Asian men that I can perceive or assume, but I'm never going to obviously just be like are you, you know? But I I feel like that, I mean, just maybe in general with the whole Asian community, it's just something that culturally, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just so hard to talk about and no one has talked about it.
4: It's such a stark contrast, right? Like that it's so visible in Asian gay males and it's so not in Asian females.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. How would you receive if someone came up to you and kind of brought that up? Would you actually prefer someone to ask because they're trying to engage and get to know you better or would it come off Mm -hmm. as insulting?
4: Uh, Like if they asked me if I was gay, Mm -hmm. I'd be like, "Uh, duh, can't you tell? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So I think because I think a part of a part of and this goes back to our conversation about like continuously needing to come out. Like I think there is it gets exhausting. Right. And so I actually love that I can be perceived by someone as gay because then like. I'm like, great, like, the work is done for me, you know? It's, Mm. like, kind of part of the reason why I got this nose piercing, like, and, like, why I have (laughs) tattoos on my body is because, like, I know because I have long hair and, you know, I come off as somewhat questionable, but then it's kind of like, come on, like, (laughs) um, in the way that we express our genders, like, I try to do that as much as possible to make that statement, but when it doesn't come off, I'm just kind of like, oh, well... (laughs) I have to spell it out for you? Okay, here we go. But it's definitely, yeah, I don't know. what. How is it for you, Justin?
1: Isn't it crazy how, like, everyone has such a different gator? <laughs> like, sometimes sometimes you think you're being so obvious, yeah. and then they just have no clue at all. Seriously. So I had a best friend growing up, um, like my Mormon best friend, and we would carpool to school every day for zero hour, and then she would come home and drop me off uh, to my house um, every day after school. And so we would watch That's a Raven like every single day, mm, yeah. and just lay in lay in bed together, right? We were lay in bed together, and just watch a show together. But like for me, I was just thinking it was like a strictly just yeah. platonic, mm-hmm. yeah, platonic relationship. You know, who knows? Maybe she could have thought that it was something more, which could have been true. But I mean, I never really got into that. But I, I, I think she she did think it was something mm-hmm. more. But I was just there, just I was like just laughing at the show, you know that. Right. So <laughs> you know, I'm just like just chilling, and, and, um, and you know who knows, she could have thought something more of it. And then when I finally came out to her, you know, she had no idea. So oh. um, yeah, she had no idea. And so I think it's just funny how like you think you it's so obvious, but some people just literally yeah. have the shittiest gaydar. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's something
0: different there too because I think when someone is also viewing. Um, an individual with the lens of like oh i'm interested in them Mm -hmm. sometimes they just don't see red flags or yeah yeah
1: they're gonna see what they want to
0: see if they're Mm -hmm. gay or not
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) but i'm still really close friends with her now and she has two kids and she's married oh wow
3: you guys mentioned previously about your cultural preferences how like anna you like haven't dated an asian american woman yet or like justin your eyes are open now you know um but then in terms of long-term partners are you guys do you guys have a cultural preference for a long time partner if you want to marry
1: um i think for me the fact that i grew up in such a clash of cultures in my household Mm. with my dad he was irish and then my mom's vietnamese chinese my dad is thai chinese so there was never really just like one strict rule in my house you know like we just did whatever justin can you give us a brief like
0: overview of because you mentioned your dad's irish um but then your other dad is thai um and i think you said half chinese
1: yeah so basically my mom divorced my biological father when we were two or three and then she remarried when I was about four or five mm-hmm. I don't remember the exact age but yeah it was around that age yeah so my stepdad was pretty much I felt like he was like my biological father you know, he was there from the beginning, from before I could remem- remember.
0: And your stepdad is Irish.
1: Yeah, he's like a mixture. It's like English, Irish. Got it. I think that kind of laid out how I live my life and just my dating style and everything. Like, I just, I'm very chill with everything. I'm just, whatever comes, comes. And um, I don't have any expect- expectations from my parents at all. Yeah. So really, there's no preference. I'm, I'm open to dating anyone.
4: And yeah, I think I'm also open, but one of the things that I do think about, like, that could be easier on my parents or whatever is like dating someone who can like speak my parents language like i think like the best mm-hmm. case scenario of this would be i bring home a korean girl who's christian and who all, like can talk to my parents mm-hmm. and they would mm-hmm. like fall in love with you know and that's like the echelon of like what a relationship could look like but then when i actually think about like those layers of like okay korean girl and then a christian girl on top of that like that will be really hard so then realism sets in but yeah it it's, it's been interesting like the older i get the more desire i have to date an asian american mm-hmm. i never thought about that before but like when my last my most recent relationship ended i was like man like I really wish wish I dated an Asian girl.
3: For all our ABG listeners out there, you know, if you're interested in Anna. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Or ABBs in Justin.
1: Or my twin twin brother single.
2: (laughs) 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 So many options. (laughs) I was going to say, it's interesting how the both of you um, expressed that in thinking about the cultural background of your long-term partners, it references your, your family upbringing, mm-hmm. whether in, you know, with two different answers, but that the family component is a huge consideration. And I would say even in our conversations, just our culture plays a role in kind of how we think about that too. So yeah. within the Asian culture, um, different sexual orientations are kind of a taboo topic. And I know that we've kind of talked about this, but what do you think needs to happen for us to change this perspective?
1: So I think for me, how I was able to get to my parents and be able to have this level of transparency and talk about my dating life, talk about my sexual orientation was that I had to start from the root. So I think it was just improving our communication in general. I think it was really hard for my parents. And I think a lot of people can relate to this to where their parents still treat them like kids even though they're grown adults Mm. and so i think it was really getting past that obstacle and then they would be willing to listen to anything else it really helped having my brother as well right just having both of us there talk to her and just getting her to understand that i'm an adult i think once you get past that obstacle talking about sexual orientation and anything related to that field will get a little easier i'm not saying it'll be cake you know but i think for me um getting past that initial obstacle was the key to me being able to talk about these things with my mom and then now you know it did take time I think time and patience is one of th- our two of the biggest things but okay. she went from not asking me questions ever about my dating life to now telling me that her friends have kids that are gay and want to set me up with them and, wow. and my mom's a nun you know like she did she's yeah. not supposed to be talking about this stuff but she is yeah. <laughs> you know? and don't
4: out her <laughs> um, I know
1: <laughs> Anna can you relate to anything I just said
4: yeah I mean I think like definitely you know at the familial level like a level of empathy is like crucial for this because i think the lack of it is what separates people from understanding like there are people who are really suffering over this at large and so i mean i love the fact that your mom is like so curious and supportive and like i think that's a level that like my parents probably will never get to but like knowing that that exists out there is is really heartwarming and just hearing about that is is really awesome i think like zooming out from that like visibility is something that's like that will definitely help and you know we've talked about it earlier about how like there's not enough you know asian lgbt representation and there's there's not enough visibility out there and enough people coming forward and saying like this is who i am and being proud of it and i think the more of it that we have, like, it'll it'll help the broader community. And then I think, like, allyship is huge. And so thank you, ladies of Asian Boss Girl, for even, like, bringing up this topic. Because that alone, it, like, highlighting two episodes to talk about this is a huge, huge form of allyship. And that's something that I don't think – I mean, I definitely couldn't have – Done um, without a platform, and is also why it's so important for people who have a platform to do so to talk about these things. And I'm really thankful that um, you all have taken the time and to do that.
3: Aww.
0: <laughs>
2: One of the things about ABG that we love is the opportunity to create content to share with you all. Like us, we know that a lot of our listeners love flexing their creative muscles through imaginative side hustles, personal art projects, and creative hobbies. We recently discovered Issue,
3: an all-in-one platform to create and distribute beautiful digital publications. It's designed for creators and anyone who wants to make eye-catching content. You simply upload your PDFs and files and Issue transforms them using your vision and customizable templates. Everything is optimized to post on your website and social platforms like Instagram and Facebook. They can even help you make animated Instagram stories. Issue is also used by millions of people to discover new content. It's free to get started with Issue.
0: Go to issue.info/abg to sign up for your free account. That's ISSUU.info slash u u.info/abg to sign up and let them know you heard about it from our show. Remember, that's .info, not .com. Go to issue.info/abg to set up your free account today.
4: Do you know what the secret
0: is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pamper swathers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pamper swathers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies' natural care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match.
3: Thank you both for joining us on the podcast to share your stories. We have one last question for you both. Is there any advice you wish you had received that you'd like to pass on to the people who are scared or confused about their sexual orientation?
4: I think one thing being a part of the queer community is like there is an expectation to like come out and I just want to acknowledge that like for some people that's not possible. It's like they either live in areas where they'll be persecuted or even put to death and so like whatever that situation might be like I would say for anyone struggling with this, like don't think that like coming out is like the baseline for you, what you need to achieve for some folks that won't be something that they'll be able to do freely. Um, And that's okay. I think the most important thing is just like just living your truth and And being gentle on yourself for what you can accomplish at that time and finding the joy in the, in the little things and and recognizing that being able to make those baby steps, even like Justin that you're making today, like these are huge steps that you'll probably, you know, cherish and hold on to for the rest of your life. And like, that's a huge step too. Justin, what about you?
1: Well, I just want to say thank you so much to Asian Boss Girl and Anna as well, like I knew coming onto this podcast today, I would be learning so much about myself, about the LGBT community. Like Anna said as well, you know, without this platform and without you guys inviting me on, I don't know if I would have ever tackled exploring more of this side of myself. It could have been another five years. As far as like giving advice to anyone that wants to like come out or anything like that. Like we said earlier, it was nice to remind myself that this is a journey. And it's not like you step out of the closet and then it's done. That door, for me, in in ways, is still open, you know, and there's like little bits of uh, insecurities that kind of escape the room sometimes and, and reaches me. I think also another thing that I need to remind myself too is, is that going through it alone is not the best option. For me, I feel like I don't want to burden other people with my struggles. And so if I was to remind myself when I was 13 years old and um, struggling with coming out, I would have told myself to just come out to at least, like, one friend, if, if you had the opportunity to do so. Um, because it would have been a lot easier just to talk about it and have another person to go through it with. And, you know, having my twin brother now, like, I know how much that has impacted me and helped me just get through all of this. Find a community online if you don't have anyone to reach out to. Find your favorite gay YouTuber or lesbian <laughs> YouTuber, you know? Just, like, do something. Don't just deal with it on your own because it can get super, super lonely and I I know how it feels. So that would be my advice.
0: And I think what I'm also getting from this is that we all need to practice more compassion and kindness also just Mm -hmm. to each other, especially because you never know when your friend, you know, is having so much difficulty just even talking about their identity and their sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for sharing your stories and being on this episode with us. Uh, We really, really appreciate both of you for being here today. It takes a lot of courage to be this vulnerable. And Justin and Anna, we know this is one of your first times where you are both publicly speaking and sharing about your story to a larger group too. We really do appreciate you choosing our platform and the ABG and ABB community to do that with. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, guys. Thank
4: you. And where can our (laughs)
0: listeners find you?
4: You can find me on Instagram at my name is Anna Lee. Yeah, if you have any questions or anything like that, like feel free to message me. I'm totally open to talking to any
1: And you can find me at Justin Rod Jan um, on Instagram or any other platform. And same goes with what Anna said. Um, you feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions or need someone to talk to, because I always check my DMs. So, <laughs> awesome.
2: and for our listeners, you can also write in at Asian at gmail.com. And we'll be happy to pass the messages on to Anna or Justin, just specifying the subject. And we have some partnerships that we're happy to share with you all. Um, if you want to just go to our show notes or on our website, asianbossgirl.com slash partners, we'll have links and discounts there. Uh, you can find us on all the podcasting platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcast. Subscribe and leave us a rating and review at Asian Boss Girl. And if you'd like to support us through monthly donations, you can do so
3: at anchor.fm slash Asian slash support. If you guys like what you heard today, our handle on Instagram is at Asian Boss Girl. So if you resonate with Anna and Justin, make sure you screen cap the podcast, tag Anna and Justin and Asian Boss Girl, and we can reshare share it on our Instagram story. And we're also active on YouTube now. We started a channel at Asian Boss Girl, so subscribe.
0: And thank you to our super talented editor, Michelle, for doing an amazing job editing this episode. Catch y'all on the next one.
3: Bye. Bye. Bye.